Welcome to Pearson Podcast. I'm Mike. And this is Orlando, and we're on episode 250. Yeah, we finally made it to number 250, which is pretty awesome because it's a quarter. It's a special number. It's a quarter of a thousand. So we're, we're a quarter Imagine of the way there. if we get to a thousand, I'd be, at the rate right now, I'd probably be like close to 50. Yeah, there's nothing wrong with that. It's a good number. I mean, being that I'm like 48, no, I'm joking. Only 41. So I don't feel like I'm in my 40s. You mentioned that a lot. I, I feel like 40 is like a good, like that's a good number. Like it's a great age. I can't wait till my 40s. I think that's the time I'm looking forward to the most. Yeah, now the new one I'm hearing from people in their 40s is like 40s is the new late 20s or something like that. And I'm like, yeah, I mean, to me, it's like the perfect age because you're young enough that you still have like, you know, a lot of drive and like ambition and you're physically still very capable, uh, but you're old enough that that you have the maturity and respect and life experience where people will look at you and they take you seriously. The advice you give when you apply for positions, like you're, you're kind of seen as like a seasoned person. I just don't like being called sir. I get called sir a lot now and it's weird. It's nothing wrong. I mean, that's a good thing. It's you've you've earned that. No, I I get it, but I feel old when people are like, like, and I, sometimes I feel like, like I'll be at a store and they'll like help me with like, I'm giving an example. This is not a real example, but kind of said they want to help walk you across the street. Yeah, stuff like get stuff like that. Like, oh man, well, can you handle all that stuff? And I'm like, what? I'm only 41. Like, seriously, like, do I look that hopeless? I think you need to carry yourself. I I think it's the goatee. I think if I shaved the goatee and no one saw any gray hairs, I'd be in a better place. There you go. But I've I've been green since 30. So So all of that is to say that (laughs) Pixel Podcast (laughs) is getting old. uh, But I think we're at that place where we're, you know hopefully a little bit more respectable and uh, people can look at us and say, you know what? They're seasoned. They know what they're talking about. We're gurus now. Definitely not gurus, but we are on our update episode. So about every other week is an update episode. And uh, we love these because it's a chance for us to talk about what's going on in our life in the reselling world. uh, And then specifically what's going on in the reselling space. So updates, new things, trends, things like that. Uh, And then we talk about some bolos, some hot items that people can pick up. Uh, and we end off with kind of what we're anticipating for the week. So if you're new to Peerless Podcast, that's kind of the way this episode is going to flow. So uh, how have things been going for you, Orlando? So good. I, I will tell you, it's been it's been a challenge in the sense that I had mentioned before that the reason I was able to really enjoy being full time was that I lived pretty frugal, right? My my rent was low, my my costs were low, and then moving on to this property. I would say I more than doubled my expenses, right? And yeah, I, I did have, you know, savings and I had capital and all this stuff. And then I got just hit hard in June with all these expenses, right? Having to get, you know, new appliances and having to, you know, pay for moving and having to pay for uh, all kinds of stuff I wasn't anticipating. And luckily, you know, I was in a place financially where it, it didn't it didn't hurt me, but it, it definitely, you know things aren't as comfortable as they used to be. And not saying that I, I'm, I, I'm like broke. What I'm saying is, is that I like having, you know, I like having that really, really nice emergency fund, right? Not, not the, not the one K, but the really nice one where like, if I didn't, if, it, if something went wrong, I could go a couple of years without working. Yeah. And that kind of goes back to when we did our uh, Dave Ramsey. So if you haven't listened to any of our level up reviews, we go through some books uh, and that's one of the final baby steps that you can take is building up a kind of a more of a long-term savings mm-hmm, account mm-hmm. where you can go several months without working uh, worst case scenario and you're fine. You can survive. You've already got your expenses figured out. So yeah, if you double your expenses that, that even if you're, it, it's not 
affecting your cash flow at all. If nothing else, what that does is that impacts the amount of time you can go, right? So it's almost like it cuts your savings. Well, and, and, and Even though the, the value thing. of the savings yeah. is the same, the length of time that you could stretch that it gets cut down. So as a result of that, I've only upped my business more, right? I mean, there's, I, I, I said this before another, on another podcast, I only have two options. I have to make it or I have to make it, right? And so I, I've, I'm cranking on my listings. I had mentioned before that I want to be at 3K by the end of summer. And I think at the rate I'm going, I will be at 3K. Uh, I've just been, I haven't been sourcing as much because I've had some major hauls. I had like that baseball glove haul and I've had some other hauls that I didn't, you know, put on, on, on social media. And I've just, I've picked up a lot of stuff and my helper, here's what I want to say. A lot of people, a lot of people say it's really hard to find a helper. And I a hundred percent agree. I think it's tough, but I think it's worth it. And it's worth it to find one that is independent and one that wants to learn. I would say the business. So you know, my helper will never listen to this episode, but I'm I'm really proud of her in the sense that she has herself, you know, put to, put up eBay listings and had sold stuff. Now, ever since you know, I started you know training her how to do stuff for my business, and the the beauty of it is is that like the turnaround time now has improved vastly. And I forget who it was. I think it was Rally Roots on on an episode like two years ago on like one of their YouTube's that talked about when whenever they hired anybody. Like it, it cut into their business. Like they would have this lull where business wouldn't be as efficient because they would have to spend time training someone. And then things wouldn't go as fast as they wanted because they wanted to spend the proper amount of time training the individual, making sure everything's right. And so I did this and it's paid off. So now I could send her whatever I need listed pretty much. I mean, there I still won't have her do used electronics. That's the next step. But like I could send their buckles, I could send their shirts, shoes, jackets, uh, any kind, anything with clothing, I can send baseball gloves, I can send anything, and so it's really helped me up my numbers. And you know, along with that, it, it's given her the confidence to know, hey, I really know how to do this job well. And here's the thing: her quality of pictures and her quality of listings are almost as as good as mine. Right. And again, the, the, I always say this, we say this, this I feel business. like, as you said that, like you almost, I could see the like stab in your pride, even though it's like a kind of a good, it's a good thing, right? Well, but it's, it's, it's like, a good oh, thing. Man, I've been doing this so long and I've the, 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 uh, student has become the master. Well, it, it's a good thing. If so, the only reason I hesitated is because and no one will ever do things exactly how you want it. Right. It's never going to be perfect or even to the level that you want, but it can get pretty close. And that's the thing about this business. We talked about that this business is that it's simple, but it's not easy, right? Where it's pretty... Now, I'll give you another example that counters this a little bit of thing about. So my son just got his driving permit. And... Oh, man. I know. Growing and so, up. And so he, he, it's crazy, man. It, it's crazy to be in a car and have somebody else driving because I, I, I'm 100% always... I can let anybody else drive unless... Like usually when I go out with people, like I'm like, hey, I'll drive. Like I just, I, I don't, I don't know. It's just I'm weird like that. And so, uh, anyway, even even when I've been in a relationship with someone, I'm always the driver. Like I just, I can't. I have to be the person on the wheel. So, so my son gets on the. I don't. I know people are gonna comment something crazy. I am not meaning anything crazy by that. Just, I'm just saying that's just my reality. So, so my son when he gets in the car, like it's kind of like eBay. 
right? In the car, like there are things that when you drive all the time, you know it's given, right? So you get in the car, you put your seatbelt on, you keep your foot on the brake. You know you can't change gears unless your foot's on the brake. You got to release the parking brake before you do anything, right? You got to be aware of your surroundings. You look in your rear view, you do all those things. Well, you know, my son gets in and he's like, all right, what do I do? And it's like, okay, you got to put your seatbelt on. And he's like, all right, okay. And I'm like, all right, so your gears are, are over here. Now, my, my son is not a car guy. Like I was a car guy. So when I got in a car, I knew exactly what to do. My, my son's, you know, car, he's, you know, I asked him what kind of model car you want to get. Like, do you want to get a Camaro Mustang? What, what do you want to get? And he's like, I don't know. Like I knew, I was like, I want a 64 Impala, but my son's totally different. And so and 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 he's he's far ahead of where I am as far as intellectually. So I'm, I'm I'm all right with that. And, you know, I had to tell him he's like trying to change gears. I'm like, no, you got to press on the brake to be able to change the gears. It's not going to change. And so it's kind of like eBay. Like, I, I hope that our podcast never comes across like we are. We've gone too advanced where like all the new people that listen are like, uh, Orlando, I sold my item. Like, what do I do? Like, and And, you know, because. I thought about this the other day when, you know, things now, everything's on my property. And when something sells, it literally takes me like a minute to pack, mm. right? Unless it's something that is a big item or it's fragile. And I don't even think twice about it. Like, it's not even like there is no anxiety. But do you remember the first eBay sales and you had to pack and ship? Did you have a little bit of anxiety? Oh, yeah. I mean, just not not knowing at all what to do. I mean, I don't think I'd shipped anything like any packages to anyone ever up to that point in my life. Like I've sent letters to people, mm -hmm. but it was like, all right, well now I got to do a box. And so like, I know how to I've packed things and how to pack a box, but then it's like, well, I guess I got to go to the USPS store and then there's a long line and there's this machine here. I guess I can print on a label here. I printed labels before for like other things I've shipped, but never like anything big in a box. So yeah, there's definitely some anxiety there. And then you realize you made a lot of mistakes the first several mm -hmm. and you're going to go back mm -hmm. and do it. And I like kind of what you're saying of the idea of, learning like when you first get into a car and you're you're brand new to driving everything is like intense right every little thing you got to remember so many steps but then after you've done it for so long it's just muscle memory you don't even think about a lot of things mm -hmm, anymore mm -hmm. and yeah i mean it, it it reselling is definitely like that in a lot of ways um but i like also that image of hiring a helper and having them do something is kind of like being a passenger in your own car and teaching somebody else to drive not mm -hmm. just like somebody who knows how to drive getting in but you're like teaching somebody yeah, how to yeah. drive your car uh and, and there's definitely a lot of um particular you're, you're handing there. over your profits yeah, yeah you know what i mean like it, it's i mean there's a lot involved in that but i say all that for two reasons one is if you're new to reselling and you you, you like you sell let's say you sell i'm trying to look at stuff that i have here let's say i sell i'm looking at this uh little tykes football storage Right. And it's about, you know, three feet by two feet, you know, dimensions. And it's a pretty hefty thing. Like if I was a brand new reseller and that thing sold, I'd be like, what do I do with this? Like, can I put it in a box? Do I ship it USPS? Do I go FedEx? Do I go UPS? Now, if it sells, I don't think twice about it. I know exactly what I'm doing. Right. I know exactly all the packing materials. I know what carrier. I know how to get the best price. Like it's easy. And so I want to encourage you guys that are new sellers that in the beginning, yeah, it's, it's, you know, you, it, there's a lot to figure out and, and you may get anxiety and you may struggle. And, but I guarantee that over time <laughs> there will be that muscle memory and it won't even phase you. You'll welcome more sales because 
it's just going to get easier to pack and ship. And then I want to encourage people that are experienced, especially if you're on social media and you're, you know, you're, you're putting yourself out there. Like sometimes you'll get DMs or you get messages and it's the, like, the most basic question. Right. And you may get annoyed and you'd be like, come on, like you can Google this. You can figure this out. Now there's truth to that. Like I think the people that make it and reselling are the people that don't ask a lot of questions. Right. Because I think they're the ones that go after it and they try to figure it out on their own. Right. I think there has to be a certain independence in reselling to right. be successful. I, I, well, and there's nothing wrong with asking the question, but you should be asking it with the intention of finding the answer. As opposed to... Or it should to, be like your last resort. Like you've exhausted all resources. Well, possible. and what I mean by asking the question is like, you don't know something, you recognize you don't know it. And you're like, here's something I don't know. I'm going to go figure this out. And so you watch YouTube video, you Google it, you try something until you figure out the right way to do it. You kind of fiddle with it. And so you can ask the question in your mind in the sense of how do I do this? And you find the answer as opposed to hoping somebody does it for you. Because I, I look at this as a teacher. A lot of times, I have no problem if a student comes to me and they want help with something. But a lot of times, they're basically trying to get me to like write an essay for them, like step by step. And it's like, all right, here, well, what should I do for this next sentence? And then like I basically help them write it. And they're like, all right, what about this next one? And, and at a certain point, you realize I'm just doing this for you. Mm -hmm. And that's what, yeah, a lot of people do want that. But when when you've got the question of how do I do this, you should be looking at how do I get the tools necessary to succeed in this? Um, and and looking, following people on Instagram and going onto YouTube and listening to podcasts like this is going to get those tools and strategies over time. And that's the other thing too, sometimes patience. If you have an immediate, like, how do I ship a big uh, object? Just Google it, right? Find some YouTube videos on it. Mm -hmm. uh, but over time, you'll learn a lot of tips that you don't even know you need until... All of a sudden, it's like, yeah, I remember I watched this on yep, a YouTube video two or three times, yeah, like six months time. ago, and now I need to use this, and I've already got the skill, and I didn't watch it in because I needed it, but I'm just in a constant learning like atmosphere. No, that's good. That's good. I, I, I and I that's paid off. I mean, it's like bolos, right? You watch all these YouTube videos or you listen to our shows. At that moment, what you hear may not pay off, but that one time when you're in that one scenario. You'll be like, yes, I'm so glad I tuned in. So glad I listened. So, and, and one more thing I want to add, and I'll be quiet about what's going on with me is the simplicity of having everything in one location and having everything organized has really hit home. Right. I, I, I can't tell you this whole week I had mentioned last time how I had my helper organize all my buckles, man, I got to tell you literally probably a minute from the sale, finding the buckle, maybe like 10 seconds packing it in a quick, you know, uh, one of those small padded envelopes and just printing the label so fast where before you'd be like, ah, I think it's one of those boxes and having to waste all this time and getting frustrated and, and the, the stress that comes with that. And so, yeah, I, I'm just, I'm just grateful for that. So let us know, let us know in the comments, like what were some anxieties you had when you first started reselling? I, for me, for me, it was shipping. For me, it was shipping international, especially because I'm like, I remember my first hundred dollar item. I'm like, ooh, like what if it never makes it? Like what if somebody steals it along that way? And that's never happened. I've had lost packages, but you know, I've never had anything crazy happen. And I've been reselling for full time for going on four and ten years completely, right? So, you know, chances that are slim. So let us know what have been and what are some things that, you know, uh, you have learned along the way that paid off later, 
right? That you, at first you were like, you, you listen and you watch something, they didn't mean much. And then you came across a huge score or you had a scenario where you had to ship something out or even sourcing, you know, all those different places. And one of the ways, uh, by the way, that allows us to keep sharing information, I want to do this real quick, is uh, buymeacoffee.com slash pure hustle. And we've picked up some new members since the last time we mentioned this on our last update episode. Appreciate all of you. It is, it is July. So by the end of July, we do want to have a Zoom meeting. So stay tuned for those details. And Mike and I will figure out uh, when the best time is. But, you know, it's just a virtual meetup. Uh, it's, it's the meetup before eBay open. And we'll talk about that later on. And so if you haven't yet joined, it's buymeacoffee.com slash pure hustle. Uh, you can join for a monthly membership or a yearly membership, or if you just appreciate the episode or anything you've watched or any tips or anything we've done on social media, and you just want to say, Hey, I want to buy you a coffee. Here's a quick five bucks, you know, $10 Starbucks, whatever it is. You can go to buymeacoffee.com slash pure hustle or the link below and uh, just show us some love and really appreciate that. So thank you. Yeah, All right. What's going on with you? Man, so I finally got my shed, man. That, oh, sorry, that is, I saw that video. It's a, it's like a big Good. deal for me like to finally have that because um, I mentioned in the video, I've wanted a shed. My wife always laughs because I've wanted a shed for probably since she's known me. And I've wanted one even before then. Just because? And, yeah, because I've seen a lot of cool videos of people turning like sheds into like offices or turning sheds into you know, like little gyms. Like, there's so many things you could do with a shed. And I always thought like, I'm just going to have this like man cave shed. Well, now I don't have a man cave shed. I have a reselling shed, but that's okay because I finally have like a good shed. Um, and it took a long time, right? Like the, the process of buying it, we purposely delayed the install and then them install date came and they sent the wrong truck that couldn't make it up and they had a trailer. So then I had to wait another week for them to install it. I wasn't there when they installed it. I was hoping to have like a cool time-lapse video of the shed being built. Mm. And uh, they came the one day that I wasn't going to be in town. So I didn't actually get to watch it built, but it was nice because I came home to a shed and then it took a little while to get everything packed in there. And part of the problem was if you've been listening for a while, you know, I, our old studio that I was leasing out, um, I had all of my inventory in it. So I had a lot of inventory there and then I had to move that in inventory. And the plan originally was it was going to move directly from the studio to the shed once the shed was built. But then unseen for, uh, circumstances um, came up and I ended up having to move early. So we moved all the stuff from that space to a old, old beat up RV that's got spiders Oof. and it's just, it's it's rough. And um, it didn't have enough room even in there. So underneath we basically, in order just to keep totes out of the sun and, and rain, we put totes underneath the RV, uh, underneath the overhang because it's a fifth wheel RV. And every time something sold, it was like a nightmare because we had to like climb into this thing, go through like two feet of of space that you could walk through, maybe take out four or five totes to get to the one that's on the bottom where the thing sold. But at least you were organized. Imagine if you weren't organized and you couldn't find stuff. Oh gosh, that'd be terrible. And But the organization was only as much as I knew which box or tote things were in, okay. but it was like not organized in the sense of, well, it's going to be easy to get to it, you know? So things were still kind of a, a bit of a pain. Some things were, there's pop outs in the RV. So the pop out came in cause you know, we have it parked. And so in the pop out, there's like a good two feet between the ceiling and the, the, the basically it would be the outside roof of that pop out. And so we were using that to store like all of our VCRs and electronics okay, and stuff. Okay. So it was pretty intense in there. Uh, so we had to move things out. And part of the problem is for the last couple of months or at least last month, 
the reselling, I feel like for us has kind of been on like a way slowed down, pulled back because my wife is now eight months pregnant. She's it's getting harder and harder for her to do things to help. Um, So more of it's falling on me. She's kind of the one that knew where everything was at. So she's like on the phone trying to explain to me what boxes things are in or or if I'm at work and she's going in and pulling things. And I, I didn't want her in that RV in the heat trying to pull things while she's eight months pregnant. So we've kind of haven't been listing as much too because we we haven't really had a place to put things that we were listing and we were trying to do or we would list in our home and then take the items up to that RV. But we were just moving inventory. Like you want to touch inventory like only like three times when you buy it, when you're taking pictures and putting it away. And then when you're shipping it, mm-hmm. like that's Agreed. the only time you want to be touching inventory. And I felt like we were just touching inventory like way too much. It was just constantly moving from one place to another and back and forth. And so I spent, um, it was Saturday. I woke up Saturday morning. I didn't end up going garage selling, but I woke up Saturday morning and I spent the entire day moving things from that RV down to the other shed by myself um, because my wife, you know, she's not capable right now. She needs to be relaxing. So I had to move all of the inventory for I don't know how many times I've had to move all this stuff. Finally got everything in there organized. I still think I have some space for growth in there. Um, And it was hot. I don't have an air conditioner in there yet. So I'd go from the hot of outside into the heat of the shed. But the nice thing is it was brutal. But the nice thing is I finally feel like we can start to get moving again in the right direction. Now we're about to have a baby, so it's probably not going to speed up tons, uh, but I'm planning on this next week, getting an air conditioner installed into the shed, getting a um, generator put up there. Cause I don't have power where the shed is. Uh, so that way, at least I can have some air conditioning and I'm going to put the photo box in there and I'll probably just spend an hour or two every day going in there, taking pictures. Um, and I'm doing summer school right now. So I'm like super busy, but now that there's like a place that I can just take the pictures of the stuff and then put it on the shelf where it goes and not like loaded in a tote and then into a car and then from the car up to an RV and then from an RV down to a shed, like it was just getting too much. Uh, but now I feel like we can finally start listing again. We can finally start getting things moving. And one of the reasons we decided to do this shed is, um, I mean, how much were you paying for, if you don't mind saying, like, how much were you paying oh. for your, the storage unit that you were at? <laughs> obnoxious prices it went up so let let me just give you a year ago no two years ago when i first got in it was like 200 and something it was like 280 290 when i finally left it was 364 dollars a month all right so and that was probably a 10 by 20 yeah it was okay so if you were to get a 10 by 12 10 by 10 size you're probably still looking at 250 to 300 easily a month uh and so and and we're we're on like the peripheries of San Diego. We're yeah. not even in San Diego. Yeah, it would be twice as much if we were deeper in San Diego. And, and depending on where you're at, it might make sense to get a storage unit. If your storage unit fees, I remember I used to live somewhere, my storage unit fees were like $48 a month for like a 10 by 20. Mm-hmm. You know, if that's what you're paying, it might oh, be a perfectly good idea yeah. to do that. But for me, I knew I was going to be paying close to $300 or around $300 a month. So after a year... And I'm spending, you know, $3,600 for a storage unit. To me, that's just, it's a business expense, but it's money down the drain because Mm -hmm. the next year I got to do the exact same thing. Whereas the nice thing with this shed, I'm not looking at it as an asset. It's still a liability. It costs me money. I'm going to be able to write it off on my taxes, which is great. But after a year, 
in a sense, I have equity. I'll probably never be able to sell it because it's hard to move a completely built big shed. Uh, so I'm not anticipating having resale value on the shed. There may be um, if somebody's willing to put it on a flatbed and move it. But the nice thing is after a year, because I spent about a little over $3,000 for this shed, after a year, it's basically free storage. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I just imagine I, I put it on a credit and I'm using that credit we, we got uh, airline points for. We purposely opened up a new credit card with 18 months, no interest okay. because we didn't want to have to pay interest on it. We're planning on having it paid off in 12 months instead of 18 months, but we have the leeway if we needed it. And we're just making like the $300 a month payment as if we're paying a storage unit. So basically every month I'm paying a storage unit fee. And after this thing is paid off, then my storage is free for as long as I'm on this property, mm-hmm. which is the win there. And I pretty much got a little bit more than one free ticket for Florida, which we're going to Florida in November for a family vacation. So I got something out of it and mm-hmm. I get to write it off on taxes. So you kind of got to look at your business and figure out what what thing makes mm-hmm. the most sense, because for you, it might be a storage unit or sometimes it's worthwhile to say, you know what? I wish I could do a big shed. Maybe it's 10 grand. I had somebody in the comments and I think they've mentioned before too, they had the Amish build them a shed and it was a big 10 by 20 and they spent closer to 15 grand for their shed, right? And that's a lot of money. And you might say as a, a, I'd rather spend three or $400 a month on a, on storage than have to spend 15 grand. Well, if you can figure out how to do it, where you're maybe you're, you're putting it on credit, you're, you're financing the shed and you treat it like a payment like that, uh, for your business, if you don't have the capital to do it all up front. And we, we could have, our business had enough money in it. We could have just bought the shed without financing it, but then we wouldn't have much money in our business account. Mm. So if things came up, we wouldn't have that capital. So again, we want to be capital rich going into Q4. And I don't want to be at a place where, well, I don't have, uh, I don't have to pay for a shed, but I also don't have any money to uh, buy all this great stuff that I should be selling for Q4. So you've got to be wise with, with the finances. We definitely don't recommend most people to use credit unless you know what you're doing. It's the best option. But if you weighed the pros and cons and it's actually good for you uh, to do it, then it it might be worth it. And we're really excited to have the shed. I'm excited to, to really get it moving. One bummer is I mentioned in the video, I bought solar lights for it. Oh yeah. But yeah, the that. solar lights only turn on if there's, if it's dark outside. Okay. So if I close the door in the shed and there's still sun, my solar lights won't turn on. So that's not going to work for me. So I'm sending those ones back and I'm buying a new set of solar lights that actually can turn on even if there's sun hitting the, the solar panel. Interesting. Uh, but there's so little things like Is that. Is there a cost difference between the two? It's about the same. It's okay, about the same. Okay. Just different, different lights. So things I didn't think of. I didn't think like that would be a feature that would be on there. But I mean, I guess it makes sense if you just want to have a set it and forget it type light where as soon as it gets dark, the light turns on. I mean, it had a remote, but like if, the, if you wanted it set that way. But it kind of sucks because what if what if you do need it in the daytime? So anyways, pay attention to that kind of stuff. But follow along. I'm planning on doing some more stuff with the shed. And uh, I'm hoping to do some shed talk videos over the summer uh, where I talk reselling and life and all that stuff from my shed once I have the air conditioner because it is hot right now. It's key. Oh, it's hot. And, and the air conditioning bills are, are rising. Oh, yeah, man. And again, that's one of those things. If you're not in California, you don't you don't get it. I have, I have family and friends that like live in other States like Florida and they have their air conditioner on all the time. And it's like, yeah, we're going to have a high, high, uh, uh, electricity bill. It's going to be like 80 bucks this month. Yeah. Yeah. If you run the air conditioner in California, at least Southern California, 
all the time, you're going to have like extremely high. Like you have to decide between air conditioning and like groceries. See, I like, I, so mine was like a little over 30 this last month, but I, I see it as a cost of business. I work, <laughs> I'm more efficient if it's nice and cool. <laughs> That's just the way I see it. Anyways. All right. Uh, random stories. So go first. Uh, well, okay. I don't know. I kind of debated whether I wanted to share this one, but I'll share it. So we've talked about drop shippers before. We've talked about how we love drop shippers. Oh yeah, drop shippers because it's it's a sale and it's done. You never get returned. I mean, there's no absolutes. Okay, so maybe I've had a returner here and there. Nang, you always know when it's a drop shipper. It's harder to deal with if if if, if they're a drop shipper, they yeah. got to jump through a ton of hoops to do a return. So I'll give you I'll give you an example here. So in case you don't know what drop shippers are, so. What people do sometimes, and they do this with any retailer, including people that sell on eBay, is that they'll take your listing and they'll post it on your website. And when it sells, they'll buy it from you and then they'll have the address on on your, you know, where your destination to the person that they sold it to. So you'll ship it to the person that they sold it to and then they they take the profits right so they don't hold any inventory and they do this with retail sites too so they'll take you know images uh from Walmart they'll even take the whole descriptions they'll put it on their website they'll they'll buy it for cheaper from you and ship it to their customer and they'll take the difference of what they charged up on the, on the individual that bought that item from their website did i explain that well yeah they they're they're basically a broker but you don't know that you think you're buying you think you're buying. You think you're getting somebody, a great price, but they're just they're yeah. just acting as the middleman. So you're buying from them, but they're sending it from Walmart. Correct. Now eBay has policies against all this, and you can read all that. But you know, I I've always wondered, like, what if what if you send things accidentally, like something was flawed or something wasn't right with it, right? And I had this scenario come up, and so I had sold uh, to some toner, and you know, I packaged it and I shipped it. And then I was like, wait a second. You know, I think I had a problem with this one before. I'm hoping I sent the right one. And so I went to, I went to, you know, where I had my toner stored and I looked and I go, wait a second. I sent them the wrong one. This is not going to work. But I'm like, you know what? I'm going to just let this ride. Right. Cause the worst, what's the, what's the worst that happens? They message me and they're like, Hey, Orlando. Well, they're not going to say, Hey, Orlando. They're, they're going to be like, Hey, you sent me the wrong one. You know, please send me the correct one. All I'll do is like, Hey, I'm so sorry about that. Please send it back for a full refund. I'll send you, you know, the correct item. And, uh, since I have free returns and have, you know, you know, good feedback, like I don't, I don't worry about like other implications. Now it's a little risky, okay, a little risky, right? If it was, if it wasn't a drop shipper, uh, I probably would have messaged them right away, right? But also, I, I wanted to do this for the podcast because I'm like, I want, I want to, I want to play this through. I want to see what happens. I know it's weird, but I, I just wanted to know. So, so it's almost like if I mean, you did this obviously on accident, but like if somebody, if a drop shipper bought something, and you're like, I'm just going to send a paperclip in a box. Well, yeah, I mean, they didn't go that extreme, right? But so I, you know, it's on its way, and nothing absolutely nothing like and it's been it's been about it's almost the 30 days here so but no commentary about you know this is the wrong item absolutely nothing and and here's my belief why it's because they may have messaged the buyer but what what i mean the, the seller but what is the seller gonna do the seller has 
two options, right? One is the- When you say seller, you mean the dropshipper. The dropshipper, yep. right? Fully refund them, say, I'm so sorry about that, blah, blah. Or they have to do a return through me, but then how are they, they're going to have to return the item to me and then I'm going to have to refund the dropshipper and then the dropshipper is going to refund them, right? There's just too many steps, just too complicated. Yeah, right? they they just ate the cost. They just refunded the buyer. Correct, correct. And so anyways, I'm not recommending that, but this is again, validation as to a lot of people, you know, stress when they get a message that says, hey, uh, can you ship this? Please make sure there's no packing slip. Make sure uh, that there's no eBay tape. eBay tape. It's a gift. It's a gift, right? There's that one. And I'm telling you, I look forward to those messages because that means the sale is done and that's it. I don't have to worry about it. Now, I don't encourage anybody to send the paperclip, but I do wonder what would go down if that happened. Yeah, I mean. Because imagine the heat that the dropshipper would get. Oh, yeah. You're a scammer. You sent me a paperclip, blah, 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 blah. Well, like it's so my mom bought for my son. It's almost been two years now, a year and a half, something like that. She bought a power wheel for him for his birthday or for Christmas, one of the two. And it, she bought it from Amazon. And I think it was one of the ones that couldn't go to California, but like whoever was sending it, FBA, whatever, didn't have it set that way. Mm-hmm. And or they didn't have the inventory in stock. So it showed we got the tracking. My mom was sent, a, sent us the tracking. It was like, it's going to be here in two days. It's going to be here tomorrow. It got delivered to the front desk of, of the place where we have our mail dropped off. I'm like, oh, this is exciting. I go. And and they're looking for my package. I'm like, it's going to be a big box. It's a power wheel, right? I remember this. And they they hand me an envelope that has the tracking information. It's all the track. They sent me a mouse pad, right? Because as far as I'm assuming Amazon is concerned, this item got shipped. It got scanned. It arrived at the location. Wow. And then we had to contact the, the seller and say like, hey, we you did not send us. And then they said, sorry, this actually can't go to California. Uh, we, you know, we'll, we'll refund you. So they refunded my mom and we had to do something else. But I'm sure they did that to like appease Amazon as far as like, we can't say we're out of stock or we can't ship this when we didn't have that set in our thing. Yeah. So they just sent a mouse pad. But yeah, I mean, if you, if you have a drop shipper, what stops somebody again? Well, they admitted to it. They admitted to it, right? Because if they're saying, sorry, we weren't allowed to send it, but they still sent you a mouse pad. Well, they played it off as, oh, we don't know what happened. Let us look into this. And then they came back and said, okay, sorry, there must have been a mistake. Oh, by the way, we can't ship these items to California. Mm, By the way. Yeah. By the way. So a happy coincidence, happy accident, as they say. (laughs) Um, But yeah, I mean, what's to stop other than ethically which again we wouldn't do because there's somebody on the other end of that item that's going to be disappointed but yeah i mean what what stops a seller on ebay from punishing drop shippers again i I have nothing against drop shippers because you're on your grind you're doing your hustle buy all you want yeah i mean i've I've got nothing wrong with it however you're also breaking the rules of ebay and you probably lied to me because you said it's a gift you know what i mean so uh, not that i feel that that would bother me like how much line would that entail? Like, I would have to like, I'd have to ignore like any, if I was any kind of any moral religious system, I'd have to ignore like the line part. I'd have to justify it. I mean, maybe you could just put in there like, instead of it's a gift, just, hey, please don't put uh, eBay tape or a packing slip. I'm a drop shipper. We're all on our, our grind, <laughs> doing our hustle. I got you, bro. You know? If you know, you know. You I know. why, I why. <laughs> um, anyways. All right. Well, hey. I did that. That was my random story. All right. What do you got going on? All right. So for me, I, and again, this kind of goes back to the shed to an extent, but, uh, I'm moving stuff from the RV down 
to the shed and I'm hearing a helicopter overhead. And that's not oh, uncommon where I'm at going. because there's lots of helicopters that fly over our area and, and, and uh, airplanes. But like this helicopter is like right overhead. Like usually they're pretty high up and this one's like, like I could read whatever's on the helicopter flying overhead. And I'm like, oh no, it's a fire helicopter. In our area, we've had a lot of fires recently. And so I'm watching it and I'm like, please don't dip down in the reservoir. Please don't dip down in the reservoir. Cause there's about a mile from where I live. Um, I'm up on a hill. So looking down as the, as the bird flies, it's about a mile. If you were to drive there, it'd probably be a few miles, but there's a big reservoir. And sure enough, helicopter dips into the reservoir, pulls up in the air, goes up over the hill. And I'm like, Oh no. And as I'm looking over the hill, sure enough, I see smoke right yep. in the sky. And I'm like, well, there's a fire. Uh, and so for me, I'm not a huge Twitter fan. I don't use Twitter for a lot of things, but when it comes like if there's a, a news thing, Twitter's a go it's fast. Yeah. Twitter is so fast. You get, because if you're like trying to Google, if I Google San Diego fire right now, I'm going to be pulling up stuff from two months ago. So yeah. it's just, it, it doesn't work that well. Twitter, it's going to aggregate like immediately. And then you, you find a couple of hashtags, you find what the fire is called. You follow that hashtag, boom, you're getting all the stuff. And I couldn't find anything. Or the next door app too, but go ahead. Yeah, yes. So I couldn't find anything on Twitter on this. So I call my wife and I'm like, hey, heads up, uh, there's a fire. Uh, please look it up because um, I'm trying to move Honestly, this stuff. Honestly, it wasn't anywhere. I looked it up too because... You couldn't find it. I couldn't find anything yeah. on it. And eventually I did. I found um, a couple of things on it. They got it out fast enough. Um, and it, it was weird because we had people who like lived across the country texting us like a few hours later, like, hope you guys are okay and the fire doesn't get too close. And I'm like, it wasn't even on the news here, really. Yeah. But... Um, they got it out. There was a, I think a semi truck caught fire, caught some vegetation on fire. I think when I saw the last update on it, and I'm sure it's out by now, but it was 5% contained, but they'd stopped forward spread at 70 acres. So it had burned 70 acres. They stopped forward spread, but man, they had, I mean, I was watching, there was like four helicopters and two airplanes on it. And just after it started, so they weren't playing games. Mm -hmm. Like they got, yeah, they, they got, flew over my property too. Yeah. They got air on it fast. Um, so that helps a lot with fires. But I'm just thinking like as I'm loading all this stuff, I'm like, I do not want to have to deal with another like potential evacuation because the last time fires came through, like we weren't evacuated because luckily the wind was going the other direction. My helper had to evacuate. Did she? Mm -hmm. But we could see the flames like on the hilltop. Like it was it was close enough. It was lighting up the whole sky. We could see the flames coming down the hill. So a little bit scary um, living out in the boondocks. You know, you, you deal with with fires every once in a while. But all I could think was. One is going to be a waste of time if I have to evacuate. I mean, of course we would do it because danger and I've got to get my family to safety. Uh, but two, I'm just like, what would the irony be of like, I finally get my shed and I finally get all my inventory moved in. And then what if it burned down? Like, just what if like literally the week that I get it and I get all my inventory, that's like, well, there it goes. I don't think I have fire insurance on my business. Mm. So uh, it would, it would not be great. So, um, but yeah, I think you'd still be covered though. Maybe let's hope so. I don't know. There's moments I'm like, I wish all my inventory would just burn. I could have a fresh start. I'd be like, look, eBay <laughs> says that my inventory is worth $28,000. That's the value. Yeah. You know what? Has anybody experienced? I wonder, like, would it do insurance companies? I think like, it depends on where, well, one, you'd have to have business insurance. If you yeah. have your inventory in your house, I think if you've got fire insurance or renter's insurance, it may or may not cover it. Cause if it's personal, I well, it depends how cover. big your policy is. Right. right? But, but I, again, Places will come up with anything oh, they can agreed. to, to, to get out of it. So if they're like, oh, are those business items? Okay, that's only going to be covered under business. It's like your car. If your car, at least where we're at, if your car gets broken into, someone breaks the window of your car and steals something out of it, 
Uh, that falls under homeowner's insurance, not car insurance. Yeah, it's crazy. Even if you're parked like at the beach, you're nowhere yeah. near your home, yeah. right? And it's like, yeah. my car got broken into. Call your car insurance. Like, sorry, we don't cover that. Then you call your homeowner's insurance and like, oh, sorry, you don't have a car on your home insurance. And it's like, well, well, there we go. You know, It's weird, man. It's weird. Insurance, oh. man. I feel like it's a scam. We've had an insurance person on. There. I know. I mean, it's it's <laughs> it's necessary, but man, I just no, no, feel no. like. No, no, no. A hundred percent. Listen. Listen, you know, especially, you know, you're buy a car at the car dealership. Oh, never buy any of the, the, the last person. And they're good. They're you good. You just tell them no. See what you do. No, I did. I, I mean, I, I had people warn me, but man, this guy's like, what if you're out and you're with your pregnant wife and you have your kids in the car and then this happens and you don't have, I mean, the scenarios this dude twisted. Oh, yeah. No. And that, that's the thing is they push so hard on those things because that's where they make all their money from. Um, and the thing is, if they were, if they're making money on it, then you're not saving money with it. Right. Like, cause it doesn't work that way. Like you're paying for them to make money. It's you're gambling and the house always wins. So the, the odds are in their favor, all those types of extended warranties and stuff. Uh, but yeah, one of the ways you can get the prices down on the car is you can kind of insinuate that you want all of those extra things when you're negotiating the price. And then when it comes to actually, uh, getting all those add-ons, you just say, no, mm-hmm. you yeah. just say like, look, here's what. I need the car instead of being $20,000. I need it down to 16. Uh, but you know, like I, I don't mind the, the, the monthly payment. I can get that up. We'll add the warranties, whatever, you know, I mean, we'll look at them. I'll look at all your warranties. This is not financial advice. And then, and then when you get to that point, then you just say, yeah, you know, I don't need all those extended things. Thank you. Okay. All right. Before- if you're a car salesman, you're probably like, I hate people like you. Ah, uh, man. I, I have friends that are car salesmen, but I would say not many of the people I know that are car salesmen are good people. Anyways, moving on. Um, AmericanBubbleBoy.com. Yeah, they are right. good people. And if you haven't had a chance to order for them, please do it. We've had people DM us like, hey, what's the promo code? So there is no promo code for American Bubble Boy. Uh, it's just, it's our link. And so the link gets you the best price out there. Uh, you can buy through Amazon, but there's that 15% upcharge so they can cover the Amazon fees. But if you use our link, it is the best price and it is the best price period in my belief of in or IMO out there for bubble wrap. It is quality bubble wrap. It is incredible shipping and it's a well worth your investment. And so for example, I just ordered my four foot roll, 720 square feet of the small bubble wrap cost me $39.99. I ordered it on a, on Wednesday, like at 1230 in the morning. And it was here by Saturday morning, right? Two day shipping. I mean, obviously they're not going to ship things out at two in the morning for me. Okay. But, but Hey, it got here at my doorstep such an incredible deal. And by the way, they have two day. Now I live out, not in the boonies, but I'm a little bit country. Okay. But you know, depending on where you're at, they have next day shipping. They have two day shipping. They have local pickup and it's all free. So check them out. AmericanBubbleBoy.com. Check our link below and uh, make that purchase. Help yourself out and help us out. All right. Are you ready to talk about uh, some reseller topics? Orlando still calls them topics, but this is breaking news. We bring you the reseller news that you need to know so that you can be in the know. Orlando, take it away. I don't know. This one's going to be a little bit newsy type at the end, like like opinionated. Uh, true, 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 true. News isn't supposed to be opinionated. I mean, there is opinionated yeah, news. Yeah, but the news is opinionated. All news is opinionated. Right, but the idea behind like news is that we're just giving you the facts. That's what recently that hasn't happened since ever. 
Yeah. So, okay. True. <laughs> All right. Hey, eBay open. It's coming up. August four through six. <laughs> and it's online. All right. Woo. Yay. All right. So, More so Zooms, listen, digital workshops. I'm just grateful that it's happening. I will say I'm a little bummed that it's not in person and I get it. We're still in this era of this era. And so, you know, and, and do you remember, I don't think eBay open was ever planning on having the big event again, but I'm telling you the big event is so much fun. It's so much fun. So, uh, but there's a lot of good things. It's easy to register. Uh, I, I forget what the date is you have to register by, but it's August 4 through 6. It's, it starts at 12 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. Now, there's some good things. This is, uh, I think it's a little different than last year's. Last year's was was very cut down. Uh, this year, they're, I think they're just doing a full eBay open, except it's all online. So, you know, there's training sessions if you're you're starting or, you know, if you're an experience. They use next level training sessions. I wonder if they listen to our podcast. Anyways, uh, there's seller-led breakouts, which I think that's pretty cool. Right, you get to hear from different resellers. Uh, I'm definitely, I mean, we're definitely going to be in attendance. Uh, you know, wh- what that looks like. Does that look like it says PR's a podcast on a screen that somebody's there? Or, you know, it's not the same as meeting you guys. That's what makes me sad. Um, you know, there are going to be the keynotes. And those keynotes are super important. You, I mean, I would say half of the information is super relevant and the other half is kind of dreamer status like hey we hope this to happen and sometimes it doesn't yeah hope i mean i'm interested to see too because part of it part of something like this is to get people hyped up um on mm-hmm. you know here's our platform here's the future here's where we're going it's harder to do online um and, and you don't have the same excitement and atmosphere but hopefully you know there's enough potential that we could see like i believe in this i see where ebay's going i, I want to see ebay go there uh, but a big part of it too is when you get like when when the seller updates come out, spring seller update and whatever. So like most people aren't spending the time to actually look through that stuff. Mm-hmm. It's just kind of like, wait, eBay's doing different things now. And if you do spend the time to look through it, it's just kind of dry. So one of the nice things about some of these keynotes is we might be able to get like, here is like a new policy we have and here's how it's going to help you. And then you get like the actual explanation and not just like, you know, a long several paragraphs of reading that's kind of data oriented and you're like, I'm not hundred percent sure what this means. Like explain this to me like I'm five, right? Like that's what I need. And sometimes the keynotes are like that. Here's this program we're going to do and here's how it benefits you. Just cut dry. There it is. Boom. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, I, I, to what I'm looking forward to is the seller panels. I always enjoy the seller panels. I enjoy listening to other resellers and their experience. I mean, one of the, one of the most eye-opening remember when we went was like meeting like those multi-million dollar resellers, right? That they sold like used auto parts. Yeah, or, auto parts sellers, man. Or watches or whatever. And it was just yeah. like, wow. I mean, it was it was crazy hearing their businesses. I mean, I will say the best part though was meeting just everybody. I mean, it was, you know, it's funny on the, um, they make you take a survey when you sign up. It's like, what do you look most forward to? And it's, it's the networking, period. And that's why I think it's an important eBay, if you're listening, you got to make this a live event. Uh, even if we just do the localized ones, those are great too. But man, the big events are, are nice. That's just my opinion. I think Mike and I differ on that one a little bit. Um, there's going to be, uh, <laughs> let's see, eBay booths. So I don't know. I guess it's places where you can go virtually online and like ask questions, which was actually, remember when we went, that was really it's good. Like a forum. You think, no, no. Remember like last time we went, like, here's the SEO guy, like here's how to optimize your SEO. And then here's the shipping guy. And here's this guy. And that was, a, we got a lot of info. Yeah. Like a breakout room of. Remember yeah. that? Yeah. 
It seems so long ago. Are you talking about the in-person one? Yeah. No, remember when, when you went into the, it was a huge like hall. Yeah. 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 And like, like the like, expo. Yeah. But, but a virtual booth that was just going to kind of, I, I would imagine be like a breakout room. Oh yeah. I get you it. know, Here's where it's the, like yeah. you go into the breakout room. I know it's not. <laughs> I mean, it's nice. I mean, if you could talk to somebody live, that would be great. Um, I just hope that it's like that where you, you know, but if you, the hard part is you're walking in a, in a, in a exhibit hall you see a booth and there's like a hundred people around the booth. You might want to see like, Hey, is something going on here? Oh, they're all just waiting to talk to somebody. Okay. I'm going to go to a booth that doesn't have as many people. You go into a breakout room. You don't know. It's like, you just hoping like, is there a bunch of people here? Am I going to get to talk to this person? It's like or clubhouse. It like kind busy? Of, yeah. Like clubhouse. And then you press that leave quietly button. You just roll out. So is there a leave loudly button? No. Where you can <laughs> no. like, as you're leaving clubhouse. I'm tired of this. Like, <laughs> this is the worst. Air. You guys stink. As you're leaving, boo! That would be just makes that, that would, noise as you leave, like heckler. Like there's a heckler button. All, that would be great. It's just like boo, leave, boo! <laughs> I'm out. Like there's a Karen button. Anyways, all right, all right. Moving on from that. Uh, hey, so eBay d- did another reopen report, and I think it's important to recognize how things are shifting. Uh, I like I like how they titled it reopen now. A lot of this we already talked about. We already know this, uh, but a lot of people are are buying stuff to do outside now, right? And the reason why they're not going to stores, and I've shared this before, is because supply chains. Like it, it's hard to get some stuff. I there's this there's a certain brand of shoes right now uh, that I just continually keep selling. Uh, anyways, that's all I'll say. But it's. It just continually so because the company is not able to get certain things out there. And so look for those gaps. Look for those things that, you know, go in a mall and see what stores are no longer open or no longer available. Like if you can get those products to people, you're going to make money. It's interesting here. Uh, some of the things that sell, they said spike ball sales went up 190 percent. Okay. Like, like uh, yeah, and have you seen those eBay sales like beach balls? Like if you get vintage ones, they're selling for like over a hundred ball, hundred balls, hundred dollars. Just crazy. Um, Bocce ball is selling well. Beverage tub sales. Um, it's the summer, man. People want to be out. I know. Just think summer games. Think Serving picnics. platters. Think, think the the think the beach. So I'm just giving out. These are all. You can find this all if you go to the eBay seller community page. Uh, the report is there. And then, you know, they're, they're just looking at just like outdoor stuff, outdoor wear. I mean, this is stuff we've been saying all summer, but remember people are buying this all the way through August because it does even in California, like, well, not even, but in California, like we don't, we get, things get really hot late August, early September. And even in October. Yeah. So, so be thinking about these things. Don't think like, oh, you know, it's already going to be mid July. Summer is winding down. No, people are still buying this stuff. So I've shared this before about like sandals. Sandals are a hot item right now that are selling really well. Uh, Items that, that people like playing outdoors are selling really well. Baseball gloves I've mentioned before, like all these outdoor things that people may not be able to, to get to, or there may be a shortage. I don't know if swimming pools are still a thing. Uh, I almost got into the swimming pool game, uh, let's see, a month ago. And I'm glad I didn't because in my part of San Diego, like I actually I made a, a listing of a swimming pool. because uh, And it was one of the hot ones that people were selling out in parts of Florida and Texas and other parts. And uh, yeah, I didn't, I didn't get that many You were hours. basically going to drop ship, man. Well, in a way, I mean, I, I was I was hoping that within the hour I would get a decent offer and I could just go back and buy it and sell it because that's how I, that's how I test when something's hot. If something 
sells by the time I'm on the I'm on my way home, that's a hot item. Like that's my that's how I had my clipper sales last year. That's how I had I had certain Lego sets last year that I was buying that within five minutes of me listing they were selling. Like I knew it was a hot item. And so yeah, swimming pools didn't work out for me. Luckily, I was about to buy 18 of them at like 400 a pop. Like, imagine me all summer going like, okay, when are these going to sell? Like, when are these going to sell? Just imagine the, uh, like, having 18 pools set up in your backyard. Well, I have space. That'd be fun. I have space, but they were hefty. Like, they were hefty. So, anyways, but yeah, there's the eBay reopen report. All right. Let's talk about video games. You know, it's interesting. I feel like... I feel like we're ahead of the curve on the podcast because we had mentioned this like a month and a half ago and we had told people, hey, keep an eye for grading and it's only going to get. And I know that's been common knowledge for the last year. I'm not saying that we were we were not the first at all. We didn't break this. No, we didn't break this. But I mentioned the trend of people collecting video games. Yeah, sure. (laughs) Yeah, I know. But wow. So the largest sale ever, and I'm about to get a sale right now on eBay. The largest sale that ever happened on any video game. This just blows my mind that this actually happened. So, and I think, didn't we just talk about a Super Mario 64 that mm-hmm. sold, right, for 16000 right, as a hustle of I don't think it was 64, though. I think it was, like, Mario World for NES, but maybe it was 64. You know what? I can, I can find out while I'm talking, but... I don't know if it's that important. Okay, okay. All right, <laughs> it's not that important, but... Here's, here's what I'll say. If you find any new sealed video game, period... Do not list it until you've vetted it, until you've researched it. So recently at auction, a sealed Super Mario 64 that was graded by WADA, one of the companies we talked about, was a 9.8, sold for 1.5 million. 1.5 million. Now, here's... Let me repeat that. 1.5 million. Here's the thing with, with graded games like this. Look, spend a little bit of time before you decide whether you're going to send in stuff and go back and listen to our episode where we talked a lot about grading games um, and look at what it takes to get these different grades because a sealed, unopened game is going to get you a lot of money. But the idea that one of the reasons is a 9.8 is so high, is such an incredible score that if somebody bought this and barely even touched it and put it in a drawer wrapped in like velvet and closed the drawer and let it sit, it's probably still not going to be this high graded. Like this has to be like museum quality. People have the moment it came off the the press, it didn't even get into a box to get shipped to a store. Like somebody had already had wrapped. So that kind of level of 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 perfect is very very hard to attain. So don't just think just because you have a sealed version, it's going to be worth this. Um, so look at what it takes to get these because uh, the value on these. Definitely is going to depend on what it's graded for. And this is a really high grade. Like, don't. Oh, like yeah. A 9.8 is it's, it's like impossible. But for example, yeah, that Hustle of the Week was a Super Mario 64. Was it? It was the exact same one. Nice. Now, <laughs> wouldn't it be crazy if it's the same one that got graded? No, there's no they way. They sent it in. Yeah, yeah. There, there's no way because it would have taken. This probably took like a month to get graded at the least. Yeah, probably longer than that. Okay. Yeah. So it's not the same one. But that's that's my warning. Like, I was talking to my son the other day because we both love video games and we know video, at least Nintendo. And Mike and I have said this for a while, like we cannot find Nintendo, right? It's very hard for us to find Nintendo at garage sales, at thrift stores, let alone sealed and new. And so, I mean, I the other day I put a save search on a, 
I forget on one of the platforms and I'm like, I wonder how many people have a safe search, right? Like this is like, this is literally gold. If you find this stuff now, let me share with you how much this, this has grown. So this is from, uh, the verge, uh, they broke down. So back on July 10th, uh, 2020, so a year ago, a copy of super Mario brothers sold for 114,000. Okay. And then in November, a few months later, a copy of Super Mario 3 sold for 156000 Then April 2nd, so jump like another six to eight months, okay, just a few months ago. We've talk, we talked about this, the Super Mario Brothers that sold, that was also graded for $660,000. Uh, recently, Legend of Zelda. You know what makes you sad? I've owned all these games, new and sealed, right? Uh, sold, yeah, new and sealed until you got them home from the store and you opened them up I know, and put them played. in. The, yeah. yeah. So on July, so two days before the Super Mario 64 sold, a Legend of Zelda uh, NES version sold for 870,000. So what does this mean? I wonder if all of these have been paid for. Uh, I mean, it's that's not a good point. I mean, we'll, we could look it up later. We don't have to do it now, but I just $1.5 million. Like it's one of those things like it's sold for that, but, but did somebody actually pay that? I see it as a sign of a bad economy. Like we're, we're on a bubble. Like we're on a crazy, like I thought NFT now NFTs right now are, are dropped immensely. Like they are not as valuable as we were not even close. But I just, I don't know. Here, here's, here's the implications for me. The implications are all video game prices are rising. Right? Through and through. I had mentioned on the last episode, my hustle of the week was that uh, Michael Jackson Genesis game that sold for $72. Right? If you were asked me a year ago, would I get that much? I would have been like, no way. I'll probably get like $15 for it. Right? And so, so two things. One, if you find new and sealed stuff, make sure you do your research. Like you don't want to like, especially if, if it's new, you got to research. Is it worth me grading? Right. Like Mike said, there's some things that aren't worth being graded. Right. I mean, if they're pretty messed up, like you might, you know, in your mind, you might be like, oh, this would be so great if I got graded. But then you spend the hundred or two hundred dollars and like it's still not worth and it. And you wait a year. Yeah. And you wait. And then the and value the, might drop. And the value drops. Yeah. Right. So be aware. Yeah. Uh, second, all, if you have any video game stuff that you don't have listed, specifically, I would say Nintendo. Just get it listed. Yeah, because part of the thing, too, is we've talked a lot about sometimes it's resellers that drive up the prices on things, especially in Q4, right? Man, can't believe how expensive and how hard it is to find fingerlings, right? And it's like just resellers buying it and like resellers right. are buying them from resellers. Like one just sold for $80 and it's because resellers are like, these things are going to go for $400. So I'm going to buy it from this person for 80 and they're trying mm -hmm. to like flip. I almost wonder how much of, of even some of this stuff is going into the hands of collectors who this is their forever home versus resellers like if i i'm gonna buy this video game for four hundred dollars because video game prices keep going up and i'm gonna be able to sell this for like 800 in a year from now so how much of this is resellers driving the prices up because that's a dangerous bubble to be in mm -hmm. you don't want to be in that bubble and i'm not saying that that's what this is uh, but you've got to be careful that you're not jumping into it where you're going on eBay and you're willing to spend top dollar prices thinking that it's going to go up and keep going up. And this market's going to be, every video game is going to be selling for hundreds of thousands of dollars in the next you know year. That that probably isn't going to happen. So just be careful and, and do your research on your games before you're buying them. So I would say if you can get them at garage sales, thrift stores, that kind of stuff, definitely. If you can do online arbitrage, but like Orlando said, the chances of you being able to find some of these sneaking through at prices that are just unbelievably low is probably pretty low because people are looking for these. So you're not going to be able to do those kinds of flips. So for the most part, you're buying from resellers who are already have the prices 
way up. And I always wonder, like, it doesn't take much to fake seal a package. Like, it really doesn't. Like, you can buy this stuff all the time. Yeah. I right? mean, not, I mean, if it's graded, it's not fake sealed, uh, but. Uh, agreed. But if you're just somebody that's sourcing, you know what I mean? Like, it does, I mean, what are you going to, you're going to open it and verify? Like, you're not going to open it because it's sealed. Yeah. If you're, yeah, if you're a collector, but. I don't know. Anyways, but hey, you got it listed. All right. So my, the next yeah, story. It's not even the game in there. It's just you found a case. A paperclip. <laughs> and you, you put some other cheap game in and you seal it and you send it off. And you just pray that the collector just puts it on a shelf. With I'm serious. On like, I wonder. Like, obviously, they weigh it. Maybe they have x-ray machines. I don't know. But. I mean, an x-ray machine will tell you that there's a cartridge in there, but it's not going to tell you what it says. Yeah, I don't know. I'm just like, there has to be scamming going on too. It has to be. All right. This story is also related. So this was a pretty crazy story. Oh, uh, at the store that shall not be named, uh, we'll call it out Goodwill. Uh, there was an employee in North Central Texas. Somebody had donated stuff. This was, this is why this is interesting on many levels I'll share. They found an Atari game. Uh, it was a, it was a vintage Atari game. So I'll share this real quick. Uh, a box filled with old video games recently donated to a North Central Texas location contained an item uh, some video game aficionados would only dream of stumbling upon. Uh, an incredibly rare Atari game. Goodwill confirms Fox News that a copy of the game Air Raid was discovered by one of their employees, Alex Juarez, uh, who was savvy enough to notice extraordinary find or extraordinary find. After being listed for one week, the game was auctioned off for a whopping $10,590.79. Only 13 copies of the game reportedly, reportedly exist. Shay Dow Johnson, vice president of Goodwill's community engagement, said it is amongst the most valuable items the company's e-commerce department has dealt with. Uh, they, you know, uh, Goodwill said that with the $10,000 earned from the sale of this one item, uh, Goodwill North Central Texas can provide day uh, Billy habilitation services for a year for one adult with disabilities or provide 20 homeless individuals with job placement services and community resources or help 10 at risk youth earn their GED and a paycheck at the same time. They definitely had to say that. Right. I mean, here's the thing. Here's what's interesting is that a couple of things. Did they, Oh, I'm trying to see here the story. Let's see. Johnson said the money raised. So there's no mention as to like, did they contact the person that donated the stuff? I mean, how would you know? Like how many, a lot of times you just put something in a box. But it's like if, if a bag of money was donated, they have like 10 K in it, they would probably contact the person. Yeah. But how do you know who the person is? Like sometimes maybe if they give you yeah, information, true. Like if okay. you go around back to a Goodwill and you turn something in, you fill out the paper, but usually they just hand you, at least for us, they just hand me like a blank slip and say, here you go. And then you fill it out when you get home. Like they're not keeping track of like, you just put things in a box and you drive away. Yeah, true, true, true. Okay. The second one is be aware. Like, as I've always said, like, they know what they're doing. They know what they're getting in. They know what the price is. I mean, the other day, it's funny. The other day, I was at the store that shall not be named. And three of their employees were standing around. They're like, hey, what do you think about that one? They're like, yeah, we, we ended up pulling that from online because that doesn't sell well online. I'm like, they're having this discussion out in the open, Right. So be aware, like thrifting's only going to get more difficult. The third one is there's still treasures out there, right? Because this kid, this the only reason, the only reason that this employee knew about it, it says right here, Juarez's father is a video game connoisseur and helped his son determine which game he had ha happened across. According to the report, the game's unique T-shaped handle made it fairly easy for Juarez to identify. 
Yeah, and if you look this up, the name of the it's on People Magazine and the title is Classic Atari Game Found at Goodwill. And there's more to it, but if you look at it, like it's pretty obvious. Like you would you you would notice it, right? Bolo, okay. Uh, but yeah, there's there's thirteen of them. Maybe you can find one of the other ones. Yeah, but there's still opportunity out there. There's a lot of opportunity out there still. Okay. All right. This last one, and hopefully we don't spend too much time on it because wow, this is, a, this is a longer episode right now. Okay. So I wanted to share this because. We had a whole episode about exposing gurus and haters. Remember that episode? We need to do another. But I want to do another one where we literally show the video of these people. You're ready for that? I mentioned doing that and you were like, I don't know. What do you guys think in the comments? I mean, some people say we got to be nice. Like, don't, don't, don't ruin your brand. Uh, but, you know, I don't think there's anything wrong with I, I, calling I'm just- out people who are who are trying to manipulate people and who are lying. Right? I mean, I, I have seen it's getting worse. And now here's why I think it's going to get even. There's no such thing as the word worser, more worse, worser. Okay. It's going to be the worserest ever. So TikTok lady, there's TikTok lately uh, has been banning people. Now the, the latest one has been because there has been some huge crypto rug post. So basically somebody will shell a, a crypto coin and the person that's shilling it, they sell it before it really, like before they talk about it or whatever, or they sell it the moment that they talk about it. And so they reap all the profits and then it tanks and a bunch of people are out hundreds, thousands. Yeah. It's called a pump and dump. Well, it all the there's a difference between pump and dump and rug pull, but yeah, same thing. Yeah, it's basically. Kind of like- <laughs> all right. Anyways, so they're now cracking down. TikTok is banning crypto influencers and people that do financial advice. So they're censoring people now. Okay. And, and, you know, we're not a show to talk about social media and all that, but, you know, I'm a big believer that censorship is dangerous. And the reason I say is this, once social media begins to censor people to a certain level, then they're kind of insinuating that this is truth. Like whatever we're allowing through the cracks, like this is, you can trust this. You can believe this because we've banned all the bad people from our platforms. Right. And so this is concerning to me because, you know, as resellers, they, this, we fall under the financial advice category, right, on these platforms. And so what ends up happening now is, you know, you have all these dropshippers on TikTok. That's been the big thing. A lot of them are gone. Okay. They've been banned from TikTok. Uh, a lot of crypto. So on, on the crypto side is you can only, you, I think you can talk about crypto, but you can't like shill a coin anymore. You can't promote a certain coin, but you know, the line's kind of blurred. Like if you're talking about crypto and you're like, yeah, I really believe in Ethereum or I believe in Bitcoin or I believe in, you know, in Doge or whatever, like where does that fall in, in chilling and, and you just being a creator and just talking about what you're invested in, right? The hard line is, are you invested? Or are you trying to scam people? Okay. But on the reselling side, all right. The Amazon gurus, man, is like beyond belief on these TikToks. And the reason I want to share this is because we have a lot of new listeners and they're on here. And and a lot of you came over from TikTok. One of the reasons I've not posted a lot on TikTok is I'm kind of TikTok's kind of toxic. And I, I and it's just it's one of those places where I don't there wasn't much interaction for us. Like we would get, you know, we're, I don't know, we're like close to 16,000 followers on there. And like, we didn't get much interaction from people. Like on Instagram, we get a ton of interaction. Unfortunately on Facebook we do, but we haven't been able to answer everybody. But it just, I didn't feel it was worth our time because like, I don't know who, who's liking our posts. Is it bots? Is it some, you know, who, who's liking them? Right. So 
you know, I, I've seen a ton of Amazon influencers on there. So are you saying though that the it's not a blanket censorship where it's like no money talk at all, no business talk? Because that would apply to them too. Like they would be pulled, no Amazon influencers. But they're not. Like, and who are they choosing to pull and who not who are they not choosing? So what they're saying is like, hey, if you're a forex trader, well, you're you're probably not gonna be on here anymore. Right? If if you're if you're a crypto guy, you may very likely may not be on here anymore. But if you're Amazon, well, that's legitimate. Right? But then there are gurus who are yeah, I see what you're saying. So you get what I'm saying? So yeah, so people might say, like, hey, if if TikTok is getting rid of all the scammers. Therefore, these people with their Lambos saying like you can make eight hundred thousand dollars in a day by buying stuff from China and never leaving your your you know house. And I'm I'm on the beach like all those people. Yeah. So so if um, you're new, you're watching this. You're like, hey, must TikTok, be TikTok, TikTok's removing all the scammers. Like maybe this is legit, right? And that's that's with any kind of censorship. Whenever you censor, like the only re the only way you get rid of bad people is by allowing free speech and free press. And then people can make up for themselves. And eventually the people having bad information, they get siphoned out and they get removed Yeah, because the truth comes out. Good, good ideas, combat bad ideas. And correct. Um, and, and yeah, censorship trying to, trying to, trying to enforce that doesn't work well. Um, at a, especially at a big macro levels. It just doesn't. Are, are we going to be in trouble in the YouTube algorithm right now? Maybe we, we said the word censorship, so there might be an oh, issue. Um, but, but yeah, so I mean, it's one of those things too, where there's always going to be people who are going to fall for pyramid schemes and they're going to fall for, you know, envelope stuffing schemes and all the different things that end up coming that, that people fall for. So there is people, I could see why people would say like, so it's important to not let that stuff be on there. But then again, it's like who decides what's, what's a scam and what's not. And the best way to do that is to have the most open platform where people can come out and say, Nope, this is scam. This is scam. We're calling it out. This is scam. And let people follow it and let that build a following. And then it just in the comments, people will see like, oh, wait a minute, this is a scam thing. And then let people think for themselves. And the people who are going to fall for stuff, they're going to fall for it no matter what you do, right? They're going to be like, no, I'm telling you, a Nigerian prince just emailed me, you know, and I'm going to be getting, all I have to do is give him a thousand dollars so he can get this account set up and he'll give me 10 grand. Like people are going to fall for that stuff no matter what. So you can't, you can't protect everybody. But having a free speech completely free would protect the most amount of people because then, yeah, then I can come on there and I could give potentially, hopefully, better advice than the scammers are giving. People are going to see that. People are going to be successful. And it's you can go after the people who are lying, right? But you have to be able to have that that discourse. And you have to be able to sometimes be um, unpleasant, right? Like, which is one of the reasons why I think it's it, it wouldn't necessarily be a bad thing for PLSL Podcast to show some of these people who are legitimate scammers and say, this person is potentially a, a scumbag, right? Like well, I'm not trying to be mean, but, but they are. Yeah. And by saying that I can actually be more effective than if you just say, Oh, but that's bullying. You can't say that stuff. That's mean. It's like, well, but, but by being, by having free speech, I can actually attack the problem better. You know? Yeah. I mean, two examples. One was, I remember seeing a guy going to Ross, finding shoes at Ross they were like Nike cleats or something and going like, oh, look at this. I can sell this on Amazon. They scanned it. They're like, I can sell this for 150. Number one, there's no box. You cannot sell stuff on Amazon via FBA without a box, period. This guy has no idea what he's talking about. Then he would do like the math. He'd be like, hey, if I bought 20 of these and I multiplied it by this, this is how much profit I'm making. And you're like, wow, I can do that in one hour? Like, that's crazy, right? And 
we have legitimate people on our show that legitimately show how Amazon works. Like we've had Reezy and Reezy will go in and he'll go into Marshall's and he'll show here. Here's the Nike shoes. You got to be ungated to sell this Nike. You got to make sure the box is there. This is how you ship it. Blah, blah, blah. Right. But we've had. But on these TikToks, they're not even talking about that. Right. There's another guy. He like he he and it probably somebody has been reselling and he scanned it. Now, if I scan something on my Amazon app in comparison to Mike, we're going to have two different scenarios. Right. Most things I touch are going to be ungated. And that's because I've been selling on Amazon for over 10 years. Mike won't. Right. So if I go and I'm like, I scan something and I go, yep, look at, look at how much profit I can make. Okay. First of all, there's no discussion about the fact that in order to be ungated, right. Either it's going to require you having a year long of consistent sales and Amazon trusts you, or you're going to have to buy and get an invoice from a distributor, which that's not a guarantee either. Uh, a year and a half ago, I got gated on CDs after being ungated for so long. No, two years ago. And I ended up buying $1,000 worth of CDs and I sent my invoice in. And guess what? I'm still gated. Amazon did not ungate me. No rationale, no reason why. So it's not a guarantee. No discussion of the shipping costs. Like you, there's FBA shipping costs to shipping stuff out, right? If, if you're brand new, you end up in the negatives initially because all those shipments go out and not until you start selling the stuff does that negative go away and then you end up in the profits, right? There's a ton of cash flow that you need, right? If, you know, some people are like, oh, you go in and I buy this perfume and I send in a hundred of them. Well, if you want to send in a hundred of them and they're 60 bucks a piece, right? You're going to need $6,000, right? So be aware of that. Did I do my math right? A hundred times 60? Yes. Okay. No, 600. I think 600. So. I don't, Sorry. I don't math well. No, that's 6,000. That's 6,000. Six, six, six Gs. 6K. 6K, okay. Um, there's no discussion of IPI, your inventory performance index, right? Like where Amazon will eventually like not allow you to send stuff in if you have too much stuff in the warehouse that isn't selling. You also have inventory limits. You can only send so much, right? And depending on your length of being a seller or how much you've sold, that plays a part in there. You also, there's no discussion of the idea that like, what if you get a return, right? What if you're only making three or four dollars profit on each item and then your cost was too high and all it takes is two returns to blow your profit on 50 items that you just purchased, right? And then the last one, and this is one that no one touches, I don't think, is the cease and desist letters. Like I'm telling you with Amazon, if you don't have an invoice, you know, I, I've never had a major problem. All right now, have I received cease and desist letters myself? Yes. I had one time where I had 4K in product that I could no longer sell because I got a cease and desist letter. Well, and that's one of the problems with a with a platform like TikTok is it's so fast. People, it, it's not a place for like lengthy discussions and dialogues. And what I see a lot of people using it for is to drive people towards their YouTube, drive people mm -hmm. towards their podcast where actual discussions can happen. Like us. Right. <laughs> so that is valuable. But here's the reason why you probably aren't seeing those on TikTok. Imagine you're scanning is an eight second video. And it's like, let me tell you why when I send this into Amazon, I'm actually going to be potentially losing money. You're going to be like, yep, not watching this guy. Right. Like yeah. people want to see success. They want to see it really fast. And that's why there's, there's not a lot of nuance and I hate that word, but there's not a lot of nuanced discussion about all those things, which, um, I mean, I, I could definitely see a problem if, if they start saying like, Hey, Pierce, podcast, like we're going to, we're going to censor you for talking about, you know, these things, financial things, because then we can't get this information out. Uh, but I'm not too worried about it because, again, we could push people towards a podcast where we're going we to have, have long discussions about these things and 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 get the truth out there. But yeah, it stinks that there are people. But again, 
I would rather have a platform where this, those scam artists are free to do that, but where I also have the freedom to come alongside and say, this person's a scam. And I'm not saying that every person who's like trying to, cause there's the encouragement aspect too, right? Like sometimes when I'm telling people about reselling, I don't tell them every hard part about reselling. Yeah. It's like, true, yeah, true. no, seriously, I can go to a garage sale and I can buy some things for, I mean, I've, I bought a pair of shoes for a dollar 50 and I sold them for 200 bucks, right? Like I'm given the best side of it sometimes. Cause I'm just trying to like get the excitement and the motivation. And then if we have a more, a longer discussion, then I'll go into like, there's the hard parts, there's the shipping, there's this, so I'm not saying that every person who's motivating through TikTok or those types of things are bad. But then again, when the person is doing those things and it's now pay, you know, $500 for my course. And then again, they're not going to teach any well, of that but stuff. That's a, that, most of these people are driving people to their course and their, and their course prices are obnoxious, just obnoxious. Now, again, we're not against courses, right? I think courses are a shortcut to something that would take you hours, right? You're paying, and Mike has shared this quote with me, you're paying for somebody's experience, right? Which I 100% believe. Like if we ever went to a paid program, right? Which I don't ever plan on doing, but if we did, you're paying for our experience. You're paying for Orlando reselling for 10 years, being a reseller full-time for four years, right? You're paying for Mike, you know, doing it part-time as a side hustle with a family, with a full job and everything that that entails, right? So- not against that, but I'm against selling people a lie. And so anyways, just want to, especially if you're new, like be careful with what you watch. Be like, just take a look, delve into yourself. Don't buy anything until you fully have vetted items on social media. Good stuff, man. All right. Hey, uh, so before we move on, we got our polo section. Uh, real quick, want to talk about the reason that Mike and I look smooth on the podcast. Yeah. And it's SkullShaver.com. Yeah, Skull Shaver is great, man. You got to get yourself a Skull Shaver. I went like the weekend, Friday, Saturday, Sunday without shaving my head. So it got pretty long. And I'm like, can this wow, thing do it? Do I, need to, do I need to use like a, like my clippers? Do I need to? Which Skull Shaver has. You know, they're baby beast, which is great. Do I need to use clippers to get this down? So I tried after three days of growth, which was getting pretty long. And I put that Skull Shaver on there. And man, it, it, it mowed it down like it was nothing. And so I was super impressed. I was happy. And uh, my head is looking good again today. So if you are not using Skull Shaver and you need it, and you know if you need it, make sure to go to SkullShaver.com. Use promo code PURE, P-U-R-E, and you will get a great discount. And it lets them know that we sent you over there. Uh, and let us know in the comments below. Um, how, how much do you love being bald? And if you're not bald, uh, are you looking forward to when you go bald? And wow. if, uh, if you don't think you're ever going to be bald, uh, just, just don't comment. Just don't rub it in. You know, it's fine. You're jealous. I get it. All right. And real quick, if you're trying to find us on social media, we are Pure Podcast on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. We are Pure Cast on, well, no, we are Pure Podcast on Instagram, Facebook. What's the other one? TikTok. <laughs> Just TikTok, talking about Twitter. TikTok. And then on Twitter everything. and Clubhouse, we are Pure Cast. You can always give us a call, 619-738-1170, 619-738-1170, or shoot us an email, Podcast at gmail.com. That's Podcast at gmail.com. And as always, if you have not subscribed to our YouTube, please come on over, hit that subscribe button, hit that bell notification so you're notified whenever any new videos drop. And thank you all for your support and the reviews that keep coming in. Our hope is that, you know, by the end of July, we'll be at 500 reviews. So if you look, I think that's a hefty call. I think we'll need 50. But man, if we could just get 50 of the thousands of you to just go on there and just put a positive review would greatly appreciate yeah, that. And you don't even have to type anything. We read everything that gets written to us because that's what motivates us and keeps mm -hmm. us going. 
Uh, but just that five star review, um, you know, I'm not going to ask for anything less than that. I mean, give us what we deserve, I guess, but, uh, but we're going to ask for the five, but if you just go on and just do that, you don't have to type anything. Um, that's going to help us in the algorithm. Uh, and it still boosts our, uh, our, our, our feelers, right? Our feelings get a little bit elevated when we see like, Hey, we got more reviews. Uh, but when you write something that, that just adds a little bit of extra, it's the icing on the cake. So again, thank you for all of you who do that. You guys know how important algorithms are. And so that's what really helps us get seen by other people. Agreed. Agreed. All right. It's time now for bolo. Yeah. All right. So my bolo is, uh, and I've, I think I've talked about these in the past kind of, uh, but knee braces, arm braces, shoulder braces, and, and I'm not talking about like medical ones where, cause mm. like if you, if you have ACL surgery, you're going to end up getting like a, if you've got decent insurance where they're actually going to fit your leg and you're probably going to get like a, a carbon fiber special thing that's locking and your doctor, you go to their doctor and they change the percentage of how much it can move each week. That's not what I'm talking about. You probably shouldn't sell medical equipment, medical equipment. But what I'm talking about is you could go to Amazon, you can go to Walmart and you can buy generic ankle, wrist, shoulder, knee braces for somebody who's got a little sprain They've been dealing with knee pain their whole life. Uh, there's some that like just brace on one side, some that are universal, some that like take two of them to brace, like a left and a right that go together. If you can find these, and you'd be surprised how many times I find these used. And to me, it seems a little bit gross, but I find used like ankle braces, knee braces, uh, wrist braces. And wrist, actually, I don't do very often. See, I can't do these for that fact, except I sell used shoes all the time. Right, but, but you'd be surprised because if you... Mm-hmm. Let's say you, something's going on with your knee. Something's going on with your shoulder. Shoulder's a big one, right? It's, usually there's like a pad and it straps around. Something's going on with one of those things. Buying these new, if you go to CVS, because a lot of times that's what people do. They go to a Rite Aid. They go to a CVS. They go to whatever local pharmacy. You could be spending like close to $100 for a brace. Mm-hmm. And if you're in pain, you're like, no, please, no. I don't want to spend that much. And if it's something you deal with a lot, like I know that my knee's going to act up a couple times a year, so I'm probably going to need to get a brace here pretty soon. Like, Oh, I feel like my knee's going to start acting up again. People will buy them used if they're good brands. And there are some brands that sell better than others. Um, if you can get them new, I've been lucky enough to find them new sealed in box at garage sales and thrift stores before. Um, in fact, I bought like a whole bunch of them that w- must've been like a medical company closed down and they donated them to a thrift store. But I get them at garage sales, swap meets, thrift stores all the time, especially the knee braces are the ones that do sometimes usually the best if they're good brands, um, even used. I know to me, it's gross. I probably wouldn't do it, but people do. And uh, and I can sell them, right? I could pick them up for especially because, yeah, if someone's selling this used, they're like, I don't know, two bucks and I might be able to sell it for 40 or 50. Right. Mm-hmm. So definitely look into it, especially if it's got carbon fiber on it. It's sturdier if it's lightweight, but it's got good Velcro, things like that. Even if you don't know brands, you're just kind of looking at that, not flimsy. If it's flimsy, probably pass. But otherwise, look it up, see what comps are going for used, and you might be surprised. And again, not medical equipment. I'm not saying like this one is one prescribed by a doctor, but just like the stuff you can get at like Yeah, Walmart. just make sure you look it up. Yeah. You know, if you see that there's not that many listed, uh, see how many are sold. Sometimes you can tell if things aren't okay to list, but you know, if you see a ton like sold, then you, you should be good, you know? Wow. See, I won't even touch those, but you'll, that's interesting, right? Because swimming trunks, right? It was one day you're like, oh, it's oh, gross. No way. I just picked up a pair of Harley ones. We'll see how those do. 
So anyways, it looked pretty clean. <laughs> hey, uh, I've I mean, mentioned... I would sell it. I just wouldn't pick it up and yeah. use for myself. So oh, agreed, agreed. So I've mentioned this before, but I wanted to mention this again. And this could have been a hustle a week. But if you follow us on Instagram, I shared, like, I went to a thrift store and they had three bags and they were like 10 bucks, nine bucks, eight bucks. And in it were all Busilla, B-U-C-I-L-L-A Christmas sewing kits. Is it Busilla or is it Busilla? It's probably Busilla, Busilla probably. What, I mean, wouldn't that be like the, the Spanish way? Yeah, I guess it? so. It's, it sounds better. How would you say it in Spanish? Busilla? Like, because that double L? I think so. Yeah. Yeah. The Enya sound. But I don't know. Is it Italian? How would you say it in Italian? I don't know. It's Latin. Let us know. It's, it's a Latin-based language. So Somebody down below in the comments um, phonetically spell out how we should be pronouncing. I had somebody that Buchilla. night that I shared this uh, applique. Like, like they're like, cause I kept saying a pleak or something, you know, but anyways, if you find Christmas stuff, it is money. The ones that I found uh, that day, one of them was, you know, I found one that was, they had, they had three of the same 80 bucks a piece. I found another one that was over a hundred. I found another one that's 60, another one that's 70. I mean, these can be money. Uh, pretty much anything that is Busilla, I will pick up. I mean, as long as it's sealed or maybe sometimes they open at the top because they're old packaging and like they pop or something in storage. As long as it looks all complete, it's still worth listening. So keep an eye. That is my bolo. Yeah. All right. What are you looking forward to here, Mike? Uh, I'm finally looking forward to going to some garage sales. Uh, I've now that I've got a place to put my inventory and I can take pictures, I can start getting through death piles. So I don't feel bad buying more stuff mm. right now. I haven't wanted to go to garage sales cause I'm, I've been watching my death pile grow and grow and grow and that's not a good feeling. So I need to get some stuff listed. So, uh, now that I have a place to do that, I can get things listed and I can start going and buying more stuff. Garage sales. That's like, that's the, uh, that's the fire. It keeps me going. That's that's the passion. Oh, I agree. I agree. I was bummed this last this last weekend. I went and it was I only went to two. There are only two. I don't know what it was. Maybe because it was so hot that people just didn't have them. And the two I went to, like it wasn't much. But yeah, man, you just need a good Saturday run, and you're like sold, right? Okay, so mine is the same thing. I want to get to three k. I want to get to three k by the end of summer. I would love to get to three k by the end of July. I think that's that's a pretty hefty call. Uh, I think I could maybe get to 2,800 now. Cause you remember the more you list, the more sales you have. So I'm, I'm battling sales to get the number up now. Best problem to have. I know it's a great problem to have. I don't want to have days where I don't have sales. And then I, I just need to get back into Amazon. I was looking at uh, my numbers. So the last few years I've had major Amazon sales in the summer. And this is the first year I haven't. And it's not because things are slow. It's just because I was moving and a lot of things come up and I just haven't been doing a lot of Amazon. And so I need to get back into the Amazon game. Uh, and again, I had mentioned all these Amazon sellers and all these things, but here's the deal. I make more money on Amazon than I make on eBay every single year, period. I mean, you cannot, if you find the right hot items, you can make a lot of money on Amazon. So I need to get back into scanning, you know, sourcing, doing all those things. So hopefully here soon. All right. That wraps up this extended version of Pure as a podcast. And with that being said, make sure to be real, be relevant, and be reselling. Peace. Peace.